Hey everyone, welcome to this new episode of the Brokage's podcast, where this week we're going to be trying something different. Luke, do you want to kind of get us started with explaining to the people our pivot? Yeah, yeah, I think we're uh, going to call this series Titan Slayer. I don't know, we're, we're workshopping. It's fine, it's fine. Um, but basically, uh, two of the most popular animes um, really that are coming out with episodes right now are Demon Slayer and Attack on Titan. Uh, and they're both coming out with weekly episodes now. So uh, because we both love these shows, uh, we thought it'd be fun to do like weekly recaps of uh, both episodes. Um, so spoilers ahead if you haven't watched up, watch them if you're not caught up. Uh, but these are excellent shows. Uh, I think that Attack on Titan is on Hulu and Demon Slayer is for sure on Crunchyroll, but I'm not sure where else it is. But you know, you can also just stream it. I, I know you know your ways. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely watched Demon Slayer on Crunchyroll. I know it's on Crunchyroll and Funimation. It has to be on Hulu too, right? I mean, wherever it is, every Sunday, we're going to be chomping at the bit to kind of get started because these two have just been so good. It's just, you know, it's a good it's a good time to be an anime fan, let's just say. Absolutely true. Um, so here we go, Titan Slayer. Uh, talking about the most recent episodes of Demon Slayer and Attack on Titan. Uh, so, so we're going to start off. Sorry, go I think ahead. it's important to say, though, real quick, we're going to start with Attack on Titan and then we'll finish with Demon Slayer, mostly so that we're not still weeping by the end of the podcast. We'd like to kind of end on a high note with some joy. Otherwise, it's going to get really dark and stay really dark. We're going to have to go to bed. It'll be really tough. So mm-hmm. today's a Monday. It's not a Saturday, Saturday. So, you know, we got to keep spirits high for, uh, for our listeners and for our uh, delicate uh, emotional states as well. So anyway, George, uh, you watched uh, the most recent Attack on Titan episode, but do you want to get us started um, talking about, you know, the series leading up to part four or season four, part two of Attack on Titan and uh, get us caught up to where we are when we start this episode? Yeah, so I mean, so we're currently on season four, part two, which is very different from this being, I don't know, a season five or something. How? I'm not really sure. I'm kind of still waiting for them to tell us it's like season four, part two, subpart A, and then we're just going to get like another year of anime in the next like, year. But you know, besides that, so I, for those of you who don't quite remember, uh, you all watched the show, hopefully. So, but basically, there were a few things that kind of went on at the end of season four part two right so um and one thing i just wanted to mention is that we don't read the manga um because we kind of want to watch the episodes with you guys and don't like spoil it for ourselves and react to the revelations with you um so if there's something that's like maybe in the manga that you guys are aware of uh we are not aware of that so we may say some things make some predictions that aren't necessarily accurate um but that's just because we're pure at heart and uh trying to watch the anime because we're anime fanatics, not manga fanatics. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, George. Hey, I'm just glad you said we weren't reading the manga because we wanted to watch it with them as opposed to the more likely answer, which was we're not really sure if we could read, but, uh, <laughs> you know, semantics. Uh, we will be throwing out some egregious theories throughout this entire series. Uh, if any of them hit, we will be taking victory laps and ignoring all of the other predictions that we totally whiffed on. So we will be looking back on the future kindly. But um, anyway, besides that, so we kind of left off Attack on Titan with, you know, two to three main things happening. The first was that the uh, the scouts were able to capture, or at least Levy was able to capture Zeke 
finally threatened. I'm sorry. Did you say Levy? I Levi. Sorry, I'm getting into my... what kind of name is Levy? Uh, listen, it's uh, it's it's outside <laughs> of jeans, I believe. Listen, we're doing our best out here. Okay? You know what they say: you can't win them all, you can't win any. So, and here I am, not winning, not winning many at all. But uh, Le- Levi, happy. That's much better. <laughs> Levi had captured Zeke, right? And so he had had him kind of tied to a thunder spear as he was trying to figure out Zeke's plan. And if you remember, they had snuck a bunch of Zeke's spinal fluid into the wine that they had been passing around and basically taking the um, the the army the, the enemy army's hostage, right? And so they've just found out this plan. And so uh, Levy is trying to figure Levi... Uh, okay, you, you know, I'm going to cut you off and I'm going to take over. <laughs> so, so Zeke's spinal fluid, the reason why it's important is because for some reason, his Titan spinal fluid, if you consume it and then he shouts and you hear the shout, he has the ability to then turn you into a demon or a, a Titan, excuse me. I'm mixing up my demons and Titans over here. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Thank you for taking the reins from me. Yeah, yeah. So basically... Uh, Levi and Aaron apparently's plan is to use this as like a way to, as like a bargaining chip over the Eldians, the people who live on Paradise Island, who we've been following this whole time, who are this like subgroup of humans who have the, I don't know if it's, we want to call it ability or curse to be turned into into Titans. Um, and these Titans for a long time, like, you know, were the main predominant military power in the world and were very cruel. So that's why so much of the world hates uh the Eldians and like they're they're looked down upon in the outer society outside of the paradise island um that we kind of discovered in season three four. but so, still should be noted that Aaron and Zeke are still themselves Eldians they're just part of the second faction of Eldians the uh the Jaegerists is what they're now called and so it's infighting even within this Eldian side Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of politics going on. If you haven't watched the show, it can be a little bit confusing. Um, part of the reason why I, I'm so high on the show is because I think it's um, just they do such a great work, job of world building, George. Yeah. And I think even if you have watched the show, it gets confusing sometimes. All of us, I think, have needed a refresher. <laughs> the, there's a lot of moving parts. And again, you know, we can't read. That's why we don't do manga. So we're still trying to put it together ourselves. But we're here to help you kind of put back the pieces if you're kind of falling behind, which we certainly have mm-hmm. a few times. <laughs> totally. Well, and it's been a year since season four, part one. So, you know, it. we needed a refresher. Uh, and basically uh, where we're at right now, like George said, is there's the Jaegerists and then there's the Eldians who just kind of want to be left alone. The Jaegerists are more militant. They kind of want to take uh, back the world and, they feel like they've been, you know, the Eldians have been mistreated for too long, um, and they kind of wake up and choose violence. Um, and they've maneuvered themselves now with the uh, Zeke spinal fluid, and then also with Aaron having consumed so many Titans and has all these Titan powers, including that of the founding Titan, um, which when kind of combined with Zeke's royal blood allows them to have this trump card, which they call the rumbling. Uh, which would be to basically release all of these uh, like colossal titans that make up the walls um, that were surrounding uh, like the little world that we first started with in season one. Um, so I know that that's kind of a lot going on, 
Um, but mainly the, the main conflict is, is in three parts. It's the, or two parts and then two like subparts, I guess. So it's the Eldians versus the Marleans, who are the, you know, the main military power in the world right now, who hate the Eldians and uh, kind of mistreat them and have them uh, live in ghettos when you know they live in Marley rather than Paradise Island. And then within the Paradise Island and the Eldians, there's the Jaegerists and then like I don't know what to call them, the non-Jaegerist, I guess. Yeah. Um, who one is like just kind of wants peace, wants to be left alone. And then the Jaegerists are like, we're taking the fight to the world. Um, you know, we've been mistreated for too long. It's time for us, right? And then even within that Jaegerist uh, faction is this idea that they want to sterilize all the Eldians because this whole Titan race thing that they've dealt with for so long has caused so much suffering. So they think it would be best if all the Eldians were uh, basically... Uh, so nobody else would have to be born an Eldian and nobody else would have to suffer like an Eldian. Um, and the way that they would do that is with the founding Titan and then the royal blood of Zeke. Because um, I guess for some reason when those two are together, they have the ability to like basically rewrite the memories of Eldians and rewrite um, their like genetics apparently too. So that's all the background. Uh, George, did I miss anything? No, uh, and so I think the last thing we kind of were touching upon, right, is that they had finally captured Zeke, the Beast Titan, who they had been fighting, the Eldians had been fighting for basically the whole show, uh, and Levi had, you know, hates his guts and had tied him to a thunder spear, and so where part one leaves off, right, is that Zeke just triggers the thunder spear and hits them both at point, point blank range, uh, and the show opens up with basically what is the what looks like the corpse of Levy, right? And it's just, it's brutal. Ah, dude, Levi. What? Levi. Sorry, there's a chess, there's a chess streamer uh, who like, who does chess streams. The biggest chess streamer in the world is, is uh, Levy. And so looking at the name Levi, I just keep, it keeps throwing me. That's on me team. But so if anybody ever thought that we weren't really dorks, uh, George <laughs> watches the biggest chess streamer in the world. So, you know, our hearts are in this, guys. <laughs> exactly this is on me i'm so sorry but um yeah so levi is looking like a straight corpse out here and it's it's tough to watch um and so that's where it kind of you know start the the episode starts up and then you know luke do you kind of want to take us through kind of a step-by-step -step recap or do we want to start with the soundtrack how did you think about the new kind of soundtrack uh, so I like it a lot, actually. I think it fits the show well. Um, I think that the opening animation is like very, opening and closing really, is like very beautiful, colorful, it's lively, um, which is in kind of a stark contrast to the world that I think they built. Like, yes, they have like some bright colors, um, like beautiful picturesque prairies and stuff like that and sceneries in the show. Um, but I think that the demon, or the uh, Attack on Titan, excuse me, world, is uh, a very dark world. You know, like there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of suffering um, that we don't typically see in animes. I feel like a lot of animes are a lo little bit more lighthearted. Um, whereas Attack on Titan is very much about the realities of war and, you know, this super um, kind of messed up world and, and the suffering that people go through, you know, the Eldians and the racism and then the. You know, obviously, the, it's called Attack on Titan, so the 
Titan violence that goes on even earlier on in the show, um, where you're seeing Aaron's mom get ripped apart by Titan, and you know there's all this gruesome violence rather than glorified violence. Um, I, I don't know if that that difference makes sense, but you know, like in like a Naruto or something, like it's it's very cool. Violence. You know, the fight scenes are very well organized and like um, very pretty to look at, um, but it's not as like as visceral, like in Demon Slayer, or in, gosh, in Attack on Titan, sorry, I've been thinking about both shows all day, but like, you know, you see like the entrails being torn out, like as they're like ripping people apart. It's just like a very like aggressive, visceral show. And like, because of that dark tone, I think that like, I kind of associate the show with like more of like a wartime, like era, dark drab uh, feeling. But the opening and ending songs, I think are, a lot like more bright and in contrast to the show. So I enjoy it. I don't know if that's kind of a little bit <laughs> of an off base yeah, well, answer your question. But. Yeah, I mean, I was laughing at what you were saying because like you're totally right where like Attack on Titan, the violence there is brutal, right? Like you're seeing guts and entrails being ripped out of people and it's it's stark and sad. And Demon Slayer, they make it as like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen is like gorgeous fire on a, you know, perfect red over a subtle blue right it's a very different vibe to kind of the the fights that happen between both shows um and the soundtrack i think the soundtrack the opening soundtrack especially for attack on titan is like encapsulates the the vibe very well i mean it hits like heavy metal often um and so if you're not like a huge metal person maybe it won't be your thing but it's you know it's aggressive in the way that one would probably imagine a titan would be aggressive right and so I think it fits with the show well. I don't think I love it quite as much as like the season one opening because that's just iconic and like that it is song, iconic. I yeah. still rock out to that opening when I work out or when I pretend to work out with my <laughs> my partial leg. But now that I'm doing PT, I do PT to you know that season one of Attack on Titan. So can we get like a quick aside from the anime world and talk about your life for a second? Can we talk about your health. What's going on with you? Uh, well, so for those of you who haven't listened, which is, you know, uh, a vastly shrinking majority because we're picking up steam, you know, Crunchyroll, where people have said at least two, at least two people have said that a Crunchyroll sponsorship is coming like right down the, they're right down the, the pipe, right? Like, I think the only reason they haven't contacted us is because they're trying to find extra money or something, but, um, yeah, so for those who don't know, I tore my ACL, and so what that means, though, is that I've gotten to do even more research for you all. Like, I get to basically, this is what I'm doing for you all. I'm watching extra streamers so that I can mispronounce Levy. I mean Levi, right? That's for you. You think I just sit here and talk for no reason? No, I do it for the people. But, um, you know, I don't think people want to hear too much about me, Luke. I think they want to hear about kind of what happened so why don't you kind of i talked about the corpse of uh levy and so what do you think is going to happen with him? okay levi <laughs> yeah so <laughs> in the show in the show levi is found by the jaegerist loyalist right and they're like oh this guy's like kind of our enemy he won't be hurting anybody else anymore he won't be on our way anymore this is good but with the jaegerist loyalist is like the second in charge of the scouts uh, Han, who's like this, like the smartest probably person in the scouts. She is like a scientist a little bit. She's trying to study the um, Titans and like a lot of what 
she she was like the driver in a lot of the technological advances that uh, the LDNs and the Cardassians had. Uh, she created the uh, like missiles that would be useful for attacking uh, like the armored Titan because before they used to use swords and they weren't able to penetrate um, the armored Titan with those. But she made the missiles and she's just like a very very smart person, a very loyal person to the guy. So Levy while. <laughs> while they're talking about Levi um, nearby because you know in the explosion obviously Zeke was nearby uh, there's like a corpse of a titan and that titan starts to suck in steam right so like oh is that titan like disappearing now but no usually when titans die their corpses be turn into steam so they like rot away basically into steam but this titan's sucking in steam so while they're distracted by that uh, Hanj grabs Levi and like dives into the river and, and you know, we're led to believe that they escaped, right? Um, so I think because Levi is such an important character in the show and, you know, while I think that a lot of the, you know, ugly parts of war are well displayed in the show for, you know, an anime, um, it is still an anime. So I think it'd be hard for them to kill Levi just like that, uh, kind of, you know, in a non-glorious way, just, you know, he got caught in the explosion, right? So my guess is that uh, we're going to see Levi and Hanj meet up later with the, like, main scout troop, like, that aren't the Aegirus, and they're going to somehow turn uh, Levi into a Titan because the people who are able to turn into Titans, um, they're able to, like, self-regenerate their tissue. So... I'm going to guess that he's going to be regenerated and he's still going to have a crucial role to play in the story. Yeah, um, so that's kind of exactly where I was going to land too. Is like, it seems like the only path for Le uh, Levi, if he's still alive, is well that they're going to have to, thank you, is that they're going to have to turn into a t him into a Titan. Kind of like how Armin was on Death's Door as um, before he became the Colossal Titan. So the question I would then pose to you is that and I don't want any of this like personality-based argument or anything like that, but just based on aesthetics and movement alone, which Titan do you think uh, Levi would well be, be best Please. suited as? I can hear you laboring through that. And also, I think it's Arnie, but this isn't a podcast about George's pronunciation, uh, so I'll answer your questions. <laughs> Sorry, man. Um, so I think that actually Levi would fit well as the, um, like the masked Titan, you know, the one with like the bone claws and then like the, uh, white bone like face that tried to bite, uh, uh, Aaron as he comes through the castle floor. Remember that guy? The jaw Titan? The jaw Titan. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the jaw Titan. Um, titan. just be yeah, just because he's so agile, and I feel like that's Levi's superpower, was that he was, like, so quick, flying through the air, um, and he was like a like a flying razor blade, you know? Like, that fight between Levi and the Beast Titan was, like, one of the best, well, it was probably the best animated sequence of the entire show, you know? It's yeah. definitely one that I probably have seen the most on social media, like, replayed. Um, and I think that that, like, fits Levi's strengths very well. What do you think? Yeah, so I was I was in between kind of the jaw titan like you and the and the um and the one that uh, 
P- how do you say her name? Pekek? The Car Titan. Um, yeah, yeah. Who's also very mobile. But, like, I think uh, Levi has to be one of these these mobile titans, right? Because that's been his whole kind of claim to fame throughout this entire show is that he is just, he's an expert with these um, repellent, repellers and an expert kind of in mobility and air combat. So right. if he's going to be, you know, if you're going from kind of these kind of combat, you know, basis it has to be the jaw or car titans but um i will say i hope it's the jaw titan for his sake because the car titan is just so ugly it's so ugly (laughs) it's first to look at every time that that poor woman becomes the car titan it's just it makes me a little sadder inside just to see it on the screen a greatly animated show lots of fun to watch but oh man the car titan is you know maybe harder to look at than some of the violence that takes place on the screen so oh boy totally <laughs> i agree and like you know the car titan ends up being very useful like in the war and stuff like that but like it's basically just like a tank like it's not like really like the titan's power that's anything remarkable you know it's like kind of one of the lamer titans if i do say so myself um, well, i think maybe the lamest titan the lamest wow that is a that is a tough um that is a tough pill to swallow. But speaking That's of just how I feel. Speaking of its usefulness in war, it might be worth uh pivoting to what the rest of the episode entailed, which is the Cart Titan was a big factor in this Aaron fight. Do you wanna talk about kind of how Marley has decided to launch a counterattack and how Aaron has been faring throughout all of this? Yeah, so in classic show and style, which was awesome by the way, I'm glad they did this. Um basically like you know, the end of season four, part one was um, the this pop out where the uh, Jaw Titan comes up and Aaron kind of gets betrayed and the Jaw Titan almost is able to eat him. Um, and uh, it's basically signifying that Marley is invading, like it is on, we are in war. Um, and season four, part two picks up basically at that moment. Um, where Marleans are bringing in their uh, like blimps and they're dropping down their soldiers and their other titans. Um, and Aaron's just like, all right, I'm going to solo all of y'all against like everyone's <laughs> better judgment. Everyone's like, you got to get out of here. You're like the key to all of this. We can't lose you. And he's like, nah, it's on. <laughs> and he just like has a starts off with a fist fight against Reiner, um, which by the way, Aaron just owns Reiner. <laughs> like in season one, Reiner was like this beast, which was kind of fun. Um, but ever since, Aaron's gotten the best of him quite a few times. Um, so that was like an awesome, awesome fight sequence uh, between he and uh, Reiner and the AKA the Armor Titan. Um, but then it turns out to be, you know, like Aaron against the Armor Titan, against the Jaw Titan. Uh, sorry, go ahead, George. I, I think you wanted to say something. Tell by the look in your eyes. Oh, well, listen, first of all, it is clear that he would just destroy Reiner in a one-on-one solo. And, like, it's not really fair because Eren has taken over the Warhammer Titan 2 and has, like, an egregious amount of powers. He has two, at least, Titan's powers within his grasp now. And Reiner is just kind of a softie at this point. Like, I think time really hurt Reiner, where he's, like, a nice, kind of a nice dude um mm-hmm. in in the sense where in the show's taken an interesting pivot where the marleans you know were this enemy we didn't know for the first i'd say two and a half seasons of attack on titan 
mm-hmm. you know, there was these really beautiful moments in episode one where, you know, the Marleans were ecstatic to see Gabby alive, right? Who's not even a Titan, but a Titan candidate. But they were so relieved that she was, like, that commander was so relieved that she was alive, right? And it was these, like, very human moments on the side that was clearly the enemy. Um, and I think the show does a good job of kind of complicating the feelings of this Marleyan Eldian conflict, where we as the viewers would for sure have been on the Eldian side mm-hmm. two and a half seasons in, right? Um, but, you know, in part of all, in all of that, Ryan has become a huge softy who just cannot hang with Aaron anymore right it's just very clear now fortunately for Reiner he has a lot of good compatriots who will help just you know murk Aaron as well right like it's the 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 fight was tough to watch yeah I agree I mean because it became you know four-on-one or it was like many-on-one um and one of the main uh proponents or like one of the main characters in the fight was the car type who had a like sniper rifle basically but it was like a sniper rifle cannon um that was just headshotting aaron whenever aaron sort of uh healed um but to your point um about you know we didn't even know about the marlins and i think that the show does a really incredible job of world building um and building sympathy on both sides of the equation uh i I think that that's one of the you know we'll dive into this when we do a full aot episode maybe um next episode or maybe at the end of the series i'm not sure what we'll decide on doing with this kind of titan slayer uh series that we're that we're beginning um but i think that that's what makes the show so special is that they do such an incredible job of world building like the beginning of the show the world is so small uh, but it doesn't feel small it's it's just beyond within the walls and even within the walls there's so much going on and so much action and we think that that's all that's left of humanity at that point, you know? And then as the show progresses, we are left with more and more questions as they give us more and more uh, information. Um, And then eventually, you know, actually I think really in season four, part one, we finally start to get some of our questions answered, you know, who are the Marleans, who are the Titans? And season three, actually, Um, like, why are the Titans here? Why are we behind these walls? why does nobody like really remember the history? Who are the people in power here? And why are they in power? Who is Aaron's dad? And what was he up to? You know, all it, the show does a great job of making us really curious for the answers to these questions. And I think so far I've been really satisfied with how they pay off. Um, but back to the point of the of this episode. Um, yeah, it, I agree with you. The fight well, very well done. It was tough to watch because it was just Aaron just getting murked, you know, um, which, you know, I wonder what the deal is with his character change, right? Because he used to be so lively and, and high spirited. And then in season four, part one, he was like, really, he, he was a totally different person. He was so cold. Um, and then he really just like shit all over his friends, excuse the language, um, and cut ties with a lot of people that, you know, we spent a lot of time growing and learning about together. Um, and why do you think he, he took such a turn, George? Yeah, so I actually have a theory on this. I have a theory, if you would. Um, <laughs> you so we'll get into that. But I think, <laughs> so to quickly accelerate, so as a result of this Marleyan assault, 
basically the Jaegerists decide that they're going to release the scouts or our original protagonist to try to help protect Eren because it's clear that if they don't, he's going to lose the he's going to lose the battle and the Marlans are going to retake the Founding Titan. Right? Big deal. Very scary for the Jaegerists and the other Eldians involved. Um, but in all this, they're trying to decide, specifically Armin and Mikasa, whether they're going to fight. Well, I think that, you know, to your point, it's not only is it a big deal, it, it would be the end of the of the Aldeans as we know them. You know, that would be the end of this, the conflict and the end of the war. Um, like, Aaron more than Zeke, but those two are really the key to their whole uh, survival, really, of the Paradisians and the um, Aldeans that don't want to be in service to the Marlanes. Um, so sorry to cut you off. Please, please go on with your point. Yeah, and so, no, you're totally right, right? Like, this would be the end for everyone who's not a Marleyan in terms of this war. And so the question becomes, though, especially if you're Mikasa and, and Armin, or however you say it, Luke, you know, apparently, you know, Levy's wrong because it's Levi, which you're right on that one. But I maintain Armin's right. Um, I think it's Armin, but, yeah. yeah. And I think Regardless, it's Marleyans, not Marleyans. I think no, that... Well, I'm like yeah. 0 for 7 if you're right today, so why don't we just... Yeah. <laughs> we're going to push through it, and we're going to say that there's a really interesting moment where... You know, they're asking, like, do we even want to fight for Aaron Yeager anymore? Is he worth defending? Um, and Mikasa specifically is like, I want to fight, but I don't know if, I don't know if, like, that's my will or if that's in my blood. Because if you remember from part one, Aaron basically told Mikasa, the only reason why you fight for me is because you were genetically, you know, formed to do so. Like, that's the Ackerman curse, basically. Um, and I think all of that, and as you know, Armin kind of thinks as well, is nonsense. I think that basically, in my opinion, what Aaron is trying to do, and I, you started to see this at the end of season three, which was one of my favorite seasons in anime. Period, um, is that you know, I think Aaron is like a broken man, and I think he kind of wants to be dead, which you know, I don't think would be the most shocking thing, and no one would blame him for it but i think he you know the whole show the whole first two two and a half seasons are like him aaron mikasa etc they really want to see the ocean right and they get to the ocean and aaron is clearly not as thrilled as he should be yeah um i think that you're right i think that he does want to die but i actually think that he i would go even a step further i think he has a plan for his death and i don't know what that plan is yet but I think that he's going to end up having like some sort of self-sacrifice towards the end of the show that, you know, probably tears at our heartstrings and uh, makes us realize why he did all of this. Um, and, you know, hopefully it works out. Maybe he gets eaten by Zeke or maybe it's, you know, gets eaten by Levi even. I don't know. You know, um, I think that there's a lot of options for what could happen. Um, but... I don't think that it's like he's just depressed and wants to die. I think there's like more than, than that. No, but I think he's taking like conscious conscious actions to prepare for his death. Like I think he's trying to alienate all of his best friends because he doesn't want them to be sad or devastated when he, you know, departs this earth. But I really think he's going to try to die. And that was only kind of bolstered by the end of the, the final soundtrack, that like OST, where at the very last moment, Aaron disappears like this colorful flame and to me that's like ooh, he's gonna die like I don't know if he's gonna die I haven't read the manga 
or whatever, and it's not just because I'm illiterate, because I'm really excited to, but like, oh man, I think his days are numbered, and I'm not sure how or why or for what, but I'm worried for Aaron Yeager, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, They might be foreshadowing in the the exit credits, or, you know, it could be they pull, you know, this is Mappa. Mappa made JJK. Mappa's making uh, Attack on Titan. And in the Jujutsu Kaisen intro, there's like all these scenes where the guy who has like the jellyfish, I can't remember his name. Sorry, it's not Jujutsu Kaisen podcast. Let's call um, him Jelly Jaeger. <laughs> okay, Jelly Jaeger. Uh, and Ryuji, uh, or Itadori, uh, are like friends and they're, they're like having this picnic and stuff. That never happens. It was, a, it was a lie. It was a lie to all of us. So I don't know. Mappa might be up to some stuff with their credits. We can't, we can't trust it. Um, but I think that uh, I, I think that you're right. That you know, I, I think that we're working towards a self-sacrifice for Aaron Yeager would be my guess. But we'll see. Um, there's a lot of like supernatural stuff that they haven't really d- dove into. You know, there's like the subjects of Emir and like where do the Titans come from? And there was you know they say that Emir, the Eldian queen, made a deal with the devil to uh, allow her to have the t- the Titans and the Titan powers for her subjects. Um, and then they talk about like, you know, the pathways of life or the roads of life. And there's that whole thing with Zeke's body being built by a girl that they don't really um, talk about. Uh, so I don't know. There's a lot to cover there. Um, George, do you have any thoughts on like the supernatural aspect that they haven't really dove into? Oh, I have no idea what's going to happen with that. But I think, you know, there's there's a lot of questions and they're in a, in the show where there were already more questions than answers, were they're piling on a lot of questions, and I am excited to see kind of where the next eleven or so episodes go in this half season. So um, I think that yeah. covers most of the episode, though. Luke, do you have any kind of final thoughts for us on, you know, episode one, the part two of Attack on Titan season four? God, that is such a mouthful. They, <laughs> it would be a lot easier if it was just season five. But uh, I'm, I thought it was a really great episode. It was a lot of fun. I had a ton of fun watching it. Um, and I'm really excited for episode two and, and the rest of the season. Um, I low-key hope that this is, not that I don't love the show, like I love Attack on Titan content, but I hope that this is the final season and the final part of the final season. So it's not dragged out for another year or whatever. Um, but golden time for anime isn't that right george oh my god and it really is i think actually they were saying that tag on titan is going to finish on a movie kind of similar to how demon slayer had mugen train although they ended up turning that into a season of anime so who knows but um we'll get to that (laughs) all about the money um, speaking of the money why don't we kind of pivot to demon slayer which is kind of the other main feature of our sunday double features here which it's i feel like they knew that attack on titan uh the opening was coming out and they were like listen we're gonna put down one of our best episodes of the show on the same day we're out here to compete and boy oh boy did they yeah no seriously um this was a huge day for anime it was a ton of fun um and i will agree with you i think this was the best episode of the entertainment district arc for me for sure um I wouldn't call it like the best episode of the series yet, just because I felt like, you know, if we're calling Mugen Train like the end with the Rengoku fight in episode, like that was just amazing. So I think that still tops it for me. But this episode was fantastic. It was super exciting to watch. 
we got a lot of revelations, a lot of growth, a lot of, um, we learned a lot this episode just, and had like some incredible fight scenes and uh, got to see some of our favorite characters being cool. Yeah, I'm not really sure how they were able to put in so much kind of plot and lore and information and drama in a episode that had to be like what 19 minutes of 23 of fighting and beautiful fight scenes like uh, i was full it was it was one of those episodes that i think we said this about cowboy bebop right it felt long even though it was short but it felt long in like the good ways right like it was you know it was packed with content it was like it was so full and full of information life and story and good story and interesting story that it's it felt long not because it was long right like time still flew by but it felt long because it was just it was just so good right yeah it's packed full i mean like packed full of content without like feeling like it was rushed for me um but that's what makes it a masterpiece you know like i think it's um and you know we don't have to do the rankings because i love attack on Titan and you know a lot of other shows that are coming out right now but i think it's got to be one of the best shows that are one of the best animes that are coming out right now um probably one of the best ever frankly but it's not finished so we'll We'll give it a chance to finish before we make a final verdict but yeah as have, you know sorry yeah, we go have ahead. two all-timers coming out right now and it makes this really fun i mean you know october will be fun too when bleach comes out but is there really a better time to be an anime fan than you know january of 2022 it's hard to say that's that's true i mean i wish it wasn't january but yeah <laughs> yeah point stance i agree um so anyway now that we've gushed over the episode a little bit um George, would you mind telling us where we left off in an entertainment arc district or the district arc so that we can uh, kind of lay the scene for uh, this episode? Oh, well, boy, can I. Because first of all, where we kind of left off is that Zenitsu once again reminded us why he might be the goat of the show, right? Where so we'll, you know, we'll start with Zenitsu and Inosuke because we'll slowly pivot over to where what Tanjiro's doing, which is the kind of more important part of the show but so right before the this episode what's going on is that Inosuke has kind of infiltrated this like underground den of Daki right who is the main demon of this episode and so she mm -hmm. has captured a lot of the characters of the show in her sash in a way that she kind of preserves them for feeding later uh, and as a result uh, as Inosuke you know infiltrates he's able to start freeing people but as he starts and so we get to meet kind of two of tengen's wives as they were also captured in this and then at the same time what has happened is that uh tanjiro has confronted daki right so he's found out who she is and they've started to you know have their battle and it's very clear that tanjiro is just not in the same league as daki like daki's taking it to him uh, and that's going to change in this episode. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But, you know, you know things change. But right now, you know, Daki's really, you know, taking it to um, Tanjiro. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, she's an upper six demon for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we, if you remember from the Mugen Train episode, uh, fantastic, fantastic episode. I invite everyone to go back to our library, check out the things that they're interested in. But when we talked about the Mugen Train episode, we talked about how far above... Uh, the level of our main characters, you know, Inosuke, Zenitsu, and Tanjiro, the Hashira and the upper level demons were. Um, and Daki is, you know, the lowest of the upper level demons. She's the upper, upper six. 
Um, but she was still taking it to Tandro without really even trying, right? Um, when he was using his water breathing technique in the last episode. And then he, you know, decided, was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to do um, my uh, sun breathing technique. Uh, the, uh, Kag- what is it? Kagiri? I can't, I can't pronounce the word. Yeah, uh, we'll just call it sun breathing dance for now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's doing the sun breathing, which is like a much more powerful breathing technique that like really takes it out of him. That's where we were left off in the last episode. Um, and anyway, so that sets the scene. And now let's start like the episode episode. Because yeah, George, like, I know that- The sorry, last important thing is that um, Zenmasu has been free from the sash, but he's now in sleeping mode. And Tengen has shown up in this underground bunker that Inosuke has infiltrated. And as a result, they're freeing people left and right. And all of the sashes are now returning back to Daki, right? So first of all, Zenmasu's goading, just like we all knew he would. And you know, free has to be asleep to be useless, useful though. Like, you know, we're not doing the Zenitsu, you know, skate thing again. I like Zenitsu, we stand for Zenitsu, just not as hard as George. Um, but yeah, he has to be asleep to be, which by the way, he is so cold when he's asleep. It's just like, I wish he was like, you know, could function while awake too. Yeah, and he plays a mean, you know, string instrument, the man can strum. But anyway, so the episode kind of starts with Daki kind of getting her sashes back, and they're going back in here, and Tanjiro's like, what is going on? And now all of a sudden, right, she kind of, it's she's regaining power at the same time, and as a result, the, the, the lady who's been taking it to Tanjiro just gets a major buff, right? And it's, it's, it's trouble, especially as civilians from around the fight start to come out and try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was very cool. Uh, when she has the like, the I guess belts come back into her, um, she has this power up, and in that power up, like her hair color changes, um, and the hair color looked like that the the love Hashira, right? What's her name? Mitsuri. Mitsuri. I think. Yeah. So it was like white, like cords with like green at the bottom. I don't know what that signifies. If that's like some kind of power level that you like obtain, your hair level, your hair changes or something. I don't know. That that type of stuff happens, right? Yeah, there has to be um, something, right? Because Nezuko's hair changed too when she became a demon, right? She got that uh, reddish tint on the bottom. I don't think those were there until she got demonized. I think that's called an ombre. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway. So yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, I mean, Zenitsu's hair, hair changed too when he was electrocuted, but that is obviously not a power up. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, just like uh, just like a little Easter egg there for you. Let's see how it develops. Um, and what she does when she gets that power up is she just like levels the town, right? Uh, and how did Tanjiro react to that? Oh man, he did not react well. And I think this kind of gives cadence to something that you said during the Mugen Train arc, which is that Tanjiro can be a bit unhinged at certain moments and like he definitely veers on crazy and I you know, I wasn't necessarily on board with that or agreed with it, but that changed after this episode. I mean like so so Tanjiro, you know, takes a big hit in when Daki attacks and so you're saying what you're saying is that I was right as always. Yeah, so I'd like uh, to mint episode. <laughs> I'd like to mint episode eight as the first time Luke was right about something. So I'm just gonna write it down. Actually, there should be a big prize. 
Um, this is gonna be the one time only, so I think you're probably. Is there something that you want? Like, we can go lots. You know, you know, top ticket, top shelf. <laughs> I just want you to do the outro music for the rest of the show. I don't uh, want to do that, but um, so so Tanjiro gets severely wounded protecting the townspeople after a Daki assault as she's kind of regained all this power, right? Um, and so the pain and the 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 damage that this attack has done, you can see like blood flow into his eyes, and there's this great quote from Nezuko's and Tanjiro's brother, where she he uh, he talks about like Nezuko once. Um, scared me because she started attacking someone who had been attacking the weak and there's something about Nezuko and Tanjiro that they're so pure hearted and so so you know they're such good people that to protect people they're basically able to give up they're basically willing to give up everything for it right and there's it's it's almost to the point of like deranged derangedness almost right and so that that fact is kind of then superimposed on this tanjiro whose blood is seeping into his eyes to the point where it kind of looks like his eyes are pointing in other directions and as he's about to enter this next phase of the Daki fight he starts to look dare i say like borderline demonic like he and yeah like he starts to kind of emulate his sister in some ways and do you have any thoughts on kind of this form of Tanjiro, and you want to talk a little bit about what happens in the fight after that? Well, besides the fact that it was awesome, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> he, like so it's cool. like, yeah, he like gets he starts bleeding into like the square out of his eyes, which is like the white part um, surround your eyes, um, which I think that there was like some uh, clan in Naruto that like also did something similar. Uh, it was like after the war arc, but that's beside the point. Um, but it was like it was a very cool look for him, and then he like. Is just infuriated, and it, it's a very uh, stark change from our normal Tanjiro, who's like very kind and giving and loving. Um, but it, it's still like so in line with his character, like you said. Like, um, and that's like that's that insane snap that he has in him. And then he just goes ham, right? Like he is like wrecking this upper six moon using his uh, sun breathing technique, um, and it's like one of the coolest. Tanjiro fight scenes in the show for sure, right? And she's like taking it back. She's like, how could this possibly be happening? He was so weak. How is he going to kill me right now? Um, and then, you know, they, they do this a lot in the show where they'll like call back like his family and like his family will speak to him or appear to him in like very crucial moments. Like, you know, his dad told him to cut his, he had to cut his neck off when he was, um, in the dream state and the Mugen train arc. Uh, and this time it's it's his little brother um, who's like, you have to breathe. Um, because I, I assume that he's just been holding his breath while exerting himself this whole time. Um, and, you know, they've alluded to it before, but the sun breathing takes a tremendous toll on his body. So I'm sure he's, you know, sacrificing a lot to be uh, going this off. Um, and right before his sword slices the neck um, of, uh, the demon of Daki, uh, the, he like collapses, right? Um, so that's kind of where it left us off. Yeah, and it's really interesting, right? Because he's, you know, we have this whole notion throughout the show that Tanjiro in some way is going to be special, right? Like he has his earrings and like as a result, he's 
able to do the sun breathing technique and he's the only one we've seen use multiple forms or not forms but multiple breathing techniques um that no one else could do right and so you're like oh tanjiro is special and he's showing us that we're, we're being shown that tanjiro is special right here and then we get this flashback to Rengoku's father writing him a letter and it turns out that you know the the demon slayers who who are who are endowed with sun breathing they have a special technique right or not technique but they have a special feature where they have a mark on their forehead and everyone's like supposed well, to be born with right that you're born with and everyone's like well tanjiro has that scar we've all seen that scar but it turns out that tanjiro wasn't born with that scar he's not one of the chosen right this is and you can see like as we are building to this sun breathing mastery or what's supposed to be like maybe he's not up for it because it turns out that he was not born with that it came from like a spillage of hot water yeah well like you said like it wasn't a birthmark right it was something that he i i would my argument is that it's going to be and this kind of goes in line with a lot of shohen uh tropes i think is that you know he didn't he wasn't given this this scar he earned it because the way that he got it was by protecting his little brother from uh, some boiling hot water that spilled over and onto his face. Oh, that's um, and then he got, yeah, and then he got hit a hit in the head during the um, like trial, like the demon trial, um, which then expanded his scar. Um, and then throughout the show, the scar kind of like comes and changes and morphs. And I don't know if there's like some symb symbolism in that, um, but my argument is going to be that. Yes, maybe he wasn't, you know, born to be special. You know, he was passed down his earring by his father, um, but he he's earned um, what some people maybe have a natural affinity for. Is what is what my guess is going to be, and I think that that's maybe exemplified by him getting his scar uh, in life rather than from birth. Yeah, and so, and I thought the last interesting kind of part of the Tanjiro sequence and all of that, right, is that. Um, the thing that kind of stuck out to me is that uh, when the father of Rengoku was writing to Tanjiro, he mentioned that Rengoku was only one of three people in his year to kind of enroll in the Demon Slayer corpse, right? And so one of the interesting things that I always kind of forget about, but it, the show is kind of takes place in this era where the Demon Slayers are just hemorrhaging members, right? And they're just losing this battle to the demons in some way. So they've, you know, fought well enough to make demons kind of considered this urban legend more than, you know, a threat that exists in the world. But the Demon Slayers themselves are suffering. And as a result, like, it's a dying breed. And I just thought that was, like, super interesting to think of that, like, maybe we'll talk about in an episode that didn't have so much content. But you know, I think right now we need to talk about what happens after Tanjiro takes that breath and he realizes, you know, reality kind of collapses back in on him and he can't fight anymore. And so it looks like Daki is one and she's about to take his head. And Luke, do you want to take over what happens next? Because it's pretty epic. Yeah, yeah. So like you said, you know, Daki's like seeing the life flash before her eyes. Um, and, and also I wanted to mention actually while Tanjiro is going to ham, um, Daki starts seeing these flashbacks, right? Mm. Um, but they're not her memories. Um, they're what we think are, are Musen's memories, right? From the cells that he injected in her with the, with his blood. Yeah. Um, and it's a uh, swordsman who's kind of speaking the same, not the same exact words, but you know the same points as Tanjiro is speaking them. Like, how can you take life so callously? How can you do this to people? Uh, da 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 da. 
and it looks like Kanjiro too, right? Uh, he's doing the sun breathing. He's got the red hair. His hair's longer, and he um, kind of strikes a more imposing figure than Tanjiro, even in Tanjiro's demonic form. Um, but it was the first time we've seen this character, um, and I, but they've alluded to it before, where you know, uh, Musen wants the sun breather, and Tanjiro in particular, uh, dead so badly because he wears those earrings and because he practices the uh, sun breathing technique. Um, you know that guy also doesn't have pupils which makes him like a hundred times more horrifying too <laughs> absolutely true so that was like a cool little nugget of foreshadowing i assume as well um that i'm sure we'll get into more as the as the season progresses i mean i think that like that guy is like who is probably hoping to be and then overcome and hopefully you know take out Muzan eventually um but we'll see how that goes anyway so Tandro's about to slice off Daki's head. He stops, is like basically overacted by cough, a coughing fit. Daki's going to kill our main character. He's going to kill our boy. Um, but in comes uh, Nezuko, who just kicks her head straight off. Um, and she underwent a transformation of her, of her own, didn't she, George? Yeah, and so she kind of gets buffed throughout all of this is as she's protecting at the same time that Tanjiro has kind of seen this incredible boost in powers Nezuko is also kind of matured in her fighting abilities as well and you get these start you start to get this interesting kind of dichotomy between Nezuko and Tanjiro where they seem like they're starting to be painted as very similar characters and even like with this last Tanjiro transformation as he's like fighting for his life and the life of these people and he starts to look demonic is that they're these like very similar people that have the same attributes and something slightly different happened to both of them and as a result like you know their lives are very different but at the same time they're both very similar like nezuko despite being a demon is very very kind still and you know tanjiro we know is and they both work to protect people and the people around them um but well not... she must be kind because she puts up with um uh your your pikachu boy my know? boy Zenitsu, don't yeah. you put don't you better put respect on his name get his <laughs> name right my sleepy Zenitsu boy he <laughs> is listen you know that if all these characters fought right now and Zenitsu happened to be asleep as they fought Zenitsu <laughs> would take him to town. <laughs> well where was your sleepy boy when uh when his lady friend uh was getting sliced in half by Daki? Listen, why, why don't you tell me that well nezuko had it covered because so it turns out that nezuko and daki we kind of hear her internal dialogue throughout all this is she's upgraded to the point of like lower level upper rank demon right so nezuko and daki are like fighting it out and so they can't kill each other because they're both demons and so daki's trying to kill nezuko at the request of Musen because uh, by basically she would capture Nezuko in her sash and then expose her to the sunlight. That would be like the way to kill Nezuko because demons, if you don't remember, cannot kill other demons. So we got some like demon on demon crime happening here where these two are just going after it and it's really setting up, you know, Nezuko has this new form where she has to, she has this like horn that's, you know, that's being displayed on her forehead now, which is very cool. It's giving me some like my... My Hero Academia Airy vibes, um, Airy Ari, uh, especially because you know that power in My Hero Academia could do could heal, and now Nezuko's healing. Obviously, there's no actual 
you know, relationship there. I just thought it was really interesting. But I don't think there was that much to say about the Nezuko fight outside of, like, one, Nezuko was dope and taking it to Daki, and two, like, she and Tanjiro have begun to emulate each other in some, like, really interesting key ways. Uh, but, Luke, I, is there that much to add? I'm really excited for the next phase of this fight, right? Like, it's clear that we're going to get, like, uh, well, what's it looking like is, so at the end of the episode, uh, Tengen and Zenitsu and Inosuke start making their way over to the the true battlefield, and so it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Um, but if, I do hope we get a few more punches between Daki and Nezuko because it is, you know, it is two high-level, high-powered people going after it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that part was very cool. I mean, the only thing that I would add is that Nezuko um, not only seems to go like a mental transformation, but she also goes undergoes a physical one where she grows that horn, like you mentioned, and then she also looks like much older. Um, before she looked like a girl, now she looks like a full woman, um, you know, in demon form, obviously. Yeah. Um, and she like bites through that bamboo that she's been uh, had in her mouth throughout the entire show that we kind of mentioned on the Nugan Train episode. So I don't know if maybe we'll finally get to hear uh, Nezuko's voice kind of coming up as well uh, after this transformation, which would be cool. Um, but I agree with you, you know, the, the episode ended, you know, Tandro's incapacitated, now Nezuko's fighting Daki and uh, Tengen and, and our two other boys, Inosuke and Zenitsu are on their way, um, right, to help. Uh, so I'm really excited to see uh, our guy Tengen's uh, powers, right, and his sword fighting style, because, um, you know, he's a Hashira and they've alluded to him a little bit, but we really haven't seen like a ton, a ton of him. Um, and if the Rengoku fight uh, is anything to go off of, uh, this should be very exciting and really fun to sit to watch. Listen, if those cannons he calls arms are anything to go off of, then that fight is going to be absolutely awesome. And I will say, beyond the um, the the bamboo chomp through, and so I, you know, we've. Uh, we've heard Nezuko's voice a few times in, like, dreams in the past, but what's really interesting is I wonder if that's going to be, like, symbolic, like, I wonder where, with this form transformation, she's going to start, um, she's going to be harder con to control her demon appetite, especially for, like, people, right? Like, I right. wonder if we're going to see some sort of containment of Nezuko or Nezuko and Tanjiro versus everyone else because they're trying to because Tanjiro and Nezuko want to save her, right? Like, there's always this tension and that hasn't really you know, there was that one moment where they confronted the Hashiras at first, but I wonder if the tension between, you know, Nezuko being a demon uh, partner in the Demon Slayers is going to, you know, I wonder if that's going to come to a head a little bit in this moment. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And, like, if you remember from the Mugen Train um, movie, like, the, not all of the Hashira were behind uh, Nezuko being a part of the Demon Slayers. Like, a lot of them weren't. wanted to, as, uh, execute both her and Tanjiro. Um, and then like kind of the leader of the Hashira, whose name I don't remember right now, um, he is like, you know, very wise. And that's like part of his like famous curse um, is that they die young and they have like that scarred face. Um, but he basically like superseded and he's like, hey, like she's proven herself. She's not, uh, you know, a bloodthirsty demon. Uh, she can stay, right? Like with the Demon Slayers and with Tanjiro. But it's on, you know, Tanjiro and the water Hashira and everybody who vouched for her. Um, so I think that that's probably going to come up again because, you know, Rengoku acknowledged her, but then he died, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't think Tengen's acknowledged her yet. So uh, we'll see how she performs and if 
know, this shines favorably or unfavorably towards her. That's another wrinkle that um, I'm glad you brought up, George. But uh, other than that, I think we've covered a lot. Um, do you have any other thoughts? Um, no, I mean, if I, I, I'm afraid if I give more thought, I mean, my first thought, obviously, is that I'm so excited for next Sunday, right? Like, these were two awesome episodes, and they're both setting up for so much. Like, there's a lot of meat on both of the bones. It's not, you know, I'm not expecting slow episodes for the next week, and that makes me really excited. Uh, I will say that I'm really, really dense, and I just figured out this week that that woman that Tengen was holding like three or four episodes ago was that third wife. I was wondering where she was, and then I finally, you know, figured out that that, you know, that was the kind of more Tanjiro-looking wife and all of that. But uh, besides that, I don't think I have any more thoughts, so I think uh, I'm about ready to wrap up. What about you, Luke? You got uh, any... You, do you have a hot take to kind of lead us with? I mean, do you, you have, have the hot hottest take? take? You know I have the hottest take. You have the hottest take of all point, which is Zenitsu is not the GOAT, which is you know, so fiery that I'm not even sure Hades could handle it. But uh, Luke, why don't you leave us with kind of some hot take, and then I'll close us out. Well, so my hot take on the show, it's actually me admitting my faults here. Um, because I thought, I know, I know, thank you, thank you. Um, but I thought, because remember when when uh, uh, Tanjiro got his black sword, they're like, oh, nobody ever progresses very far in the Demon Slayer Corpse with the black sword. That's like a bad omen. They never really know what sword style, what breathing style the master, like that, that, that. It's a bad thing. And he was, you know, fighting with the water style. And then he also learned the sun breathing technique. And he used it a few times. Um, so my thought was like, oh, he's going to be the avatar of breathing <laughs> techniques. He's just going to learn them all. Um, but now I think that that's wrong. I think that his black sword signifies that he's meant for sun breathing. Despite the fact that he wasn't born with the star, I think that that's still his greater purpose. Um, so that's kind of my, I, I guess that's a hot take. I don't know if it's that hot. Um, but yeah. What about you? You got anything for us? Well, I won't. I don't have a hot take as much as the results of a poll. So we ran a poll at the Brokage's podcast asking if the Avatar uh, and then some other kind of more U.S. created anime type shows like Teen Titans were anime because we, we were putting it up to the people. We've had arguments about this before with some of our friends. Uh, by resounding over 80% of the vote, the answer was no. So that, you know, you're your comment about the demon slayer avatar made me think of that so sorry specifically cam uh you're wrong you're dumb and you should feel bad but uh you know we already knew that already so if you made it this far in the episode which how could you not because this has been uh you know one of our better ones but you know sorry but, cam thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it and thank you everybody else for listening yeah uh yeah follow us on instagram and twitter uh yeah and remember right. man's greatest sin is and has always been the third dimension. Bye, everyone. George, I agree. Thank you. Play us out. <laughs> you know, we've done better. <laughs> <laughs>